0: Hello and welcome to Adam and Eve on CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton and around the world on CJSR.com My name is Lisa Pruden and I'll be your host for today's episode of Adam and Eve Thanks for tuning in Adamant Eve is Edmonton's only feminist news radio show. We are adamant on highlighting, discussing, and engaging with issues that affect women across Edmonton and around the world. On this week's episode, we hear part two of Rose Eva Forge Jenkins' conversation with filmmaker Justin Duchamp. When we left off from Justin, he was beginning to describe some of the challenges that he faced in creating the film Positions. We're going to begin part two of the discussion on this topic and we'll also hear about an upcoming poetry anthology called Hustleverse. Both projects explore sex work from the perspective of the people who do that work, and they tackle the intersection of racism, homophobia, and gender discrimination. The goal is to combat the negative stigma and stereotypes that people who do sex work often face. So, we'll hear about the challenges faced in creating these projects and the importance of giving a platform for a marginalized community to share their own stories in their own words. Let's take a listen.
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm wondering what were some of your challenges in creating the film?
2: Um, Yeah, so, I mean, ask any filmmaker and, like, making filmmaking is not easy. Um, but if you love it, then you sort of put up with all of the um, unknown unknown factors that come to play when you're making when you when you're creating something. Uh, honestly, like I was really lucky in the sense that I very quickly through community that I have here in Vancouver, I was able to find a really dedicated and committed producer who, at the end of the day, just fully believed in my right to tell my story the way that I wanted to tell it. Um, and her name is Val Lopez. I'm going to give her a shout out. She is, um, she's amazing. I, this film would no, not exist without all of the hard work that she put into creating it. Um, and I also had casted my lead before I even had anything. Like I, I, I had approached someone who I knew through the community here in Vancouver, who I knew was an actor and model. Um, he's originally from Saskatchewan, I believe. Um, his name's Mackenzie, uh, and he he's brilliant. And so I was really lucky in that sense. But I think the hardest thing, the most difficult thing that I found in making it. In, in the pre-production phase is getting people to play the role uh, of his client. Mm. Uh, I think that part of... Especially the, the, the guy in the middle, the, 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 the most involved that we see him with the client, other than the conversation he has at the end of the film with the woman, but that was the hardest role I casted. I think that the man who, we, who ended up playing him, his name's John... I think that I casted him a week before we started shooting, Uh, so there was like there was a lot of stress leading up to the shoot, leading up to casting that role because I was really concerned that I wasn't going to find the right person. I didn't want to compromise on on having someone who who had the same politics or understanding as me, Um, and around my like around sex work, I really wanted to make sure that everybody who was on that set. Um, was sort of a, either under the same understanding or at least close. I, I wanted it to be a swerf preset. <laughs> uh, and that was difficult. I, I had met with a lot of older queer white men who really showed their true colors and their feelings about about sex work and and about the intersecting the intersecting identities of indigeneity and sex work. I mean, uh, yeah, people were it was brutal, but I was really lucky in the sense that I had a I had a small group of people who I had selected who were really there to hustle with me and and to make this to make this the way that I wanted to make it. Casting was casting was probably the most brutal. But other than that, I mean, like the main thing was like getting. Being comfortable with myself, like I think that I, I. This is a story that I have been writing for quite some time now. Um, and I'm gonna. I should also say it, it. The short is part of a much larger script that I have written, like a, a feature that I wrote about this story. And I, I part of part of my my approach when I when I said that I was going to make the short was that I I was gonna I was gonna come out as a sex worker. I was gonna let people know. That I was a hustler once because I wanted, I didn't want it to seem like I was co opting a narrative that wasn't mine. And also, this project was always going to be filling a hole in my heart um, for seeing stories that I felt were important or represented a group of people that were underrepresented or represented terribly within film. Um, so that was difficult. I also crowdfunded for the film, right? So like I was constantly putting things out there on social media every single day that was being like, Hey, look at me. This is my story. This is how this is what I want to do. I again, the only way that I feel like I I, I I was able to to get there and be happy with myself in terms of being that open was through my community, was through people who are encouraging and who also were giving me advice about what that looks like and how to handle that so yeah I think that casting was honestly the biggest thing like white queers do not like it when you lift up a mirror and show them that they're actually super racist like <laughs> <And> it's <that's- laughs> yeah so that was hard but I, I had a lot of really difficult conversations like there's no as I'm not sure if you know but I'm uh, um, people listening from BC like there's no shortage of actors in Vancouver So it's really bizarre to me that that was the hardest thing that I had to do, which was casting. And Um,
1: and that's what I think is so funny, too, is it's like, oh, you had no problem casting, like, a queer Indigenous person. Oh, but finding, like, a white queer person, like, oh, that's really hard. Like, that's so funny to me that, like, that was the challenge of, like, oh, there's not enough white people. Where are they?
2: Yeah, where's the white people that have decent, at least decent, like, politics around the subject matter and like the guy who ended up playing the part john woods he was amazing like he had never acted on screen before he had never been behind a camera playing a character like that like embodying someone else he's a stage performer and he's a a musician so he's not he's not shy in that sense but in in terms of crafting a character and playing someone like it was brand new territory for him and he he came in extremely committed and and um and really keeping in mind that this was my story and it was personal and it was uh and it was really like there it, it was an extra weight you know and I really appreciated that from him because he also like looks like we had to dress him to look like a boring like golfer dad from like <laughs> from from like Westman you know he's like when I met him when we sat down to do like to have a meeting to audition like he was in a leather jacket I think he had his ears pierced like he looked super cool and I was like I have no doubt that we could make you look the part uh, and he really 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 delivered in the sense of, of creating that character and not being afraid to embody that all the things that that guy represented, you know, and still making him feel human. Uh, cause that was really important to me as well. Like, there are two sides to every story. So, mm-hmm. while he is saying these really blatantly racist and pretty, pretty incorrect, like, just, just very jaded and like, like yeah, terrible comments to this boy, like, I really, I was I really wanted him to still be able to humanize the man, you know, because they're still the relationship that those that that character that, that, that the protagonist has with that character is a lot is much more of a driving force in the feature. So that was really important to me in casting that role. But yeah, that was probably the hardest thing was finding someone to play that part, which was strange, but <laughs> but it was it was definitely the biggest hurdle.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting as well because it's like those are the kind of comments that I'm sure like people hear from every day and we don't usually think of them as race or like some folks don't like think about what those words actually mean. But that's what's the great thing about having something in a film is that like you're isolating this incident. And when you watch it on screen, you really understand how uh, racist that is, whereas like I think some folks like don't always consider what their words mean.
2: Yeah, thanks for saying that. I think that that's something that we definitely tried to accomplish Um like you said, in terms of isolating those situations and making it, like the thing that I the thing that I love the most about John's performance is that he delivers all of those lines thinking that he's not saying something wrong.
1: Exactly. Yeah. No. You
2: know, like he the way that he delivers, the way that he's in conversation with Mackenzie the whole time, it's like he thinks that it's fine. Like it's not a big deal what he's saying, and there are such slight nuances to the way that Mackenzie moves the muscles in his face or rearranges his sitting his seating in that scene that just like speaks length um, yeah so mm-hmm. thanks for saying that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, definitely and like that's such a yeah, such a good point that like yeah, you understand that this character isn't trying like yeah, they don't see an issue with what they're saying. and the fact that like Mackenzie can't really respond to that in that moment I think really speaks to like, yeah the vulnerability and, like, the fact that, yeah, I don't know.
2: It's funny, too, because I also think that, like, like I did an interview um, about the film back in the fall, and somebody had asked me, when well, the interviewer had asked me, about, like, why Mackenzie's character was so silent throughout the film. Mm-hmm. And part of it was because I really wanted it to, I the character really lived in his head, Um a lot of the time, so he's constantly sort of trying to be th- the hyper self-aware, mm-hmm. um, and that means that he does sometimes maybe doesn't lend a lot to the people that he's with. Um, but at the same time, like in those, like I had, I also had someone ask me, like, why, why did he sleep with that man, even if he said all that racist shit? And it's like, well, at the end of the day, like he. Probably wants to get off. He needs to make the money, uh, and he's not there to to change this man. You know, he's not. He's not there to do emotional labor. Like he says it in he says it in the in the second instance that the, for the final client, he's like, "I'm just here to find your husband." Like he very much has a business sort of attitude towards it. So I love those scenes where he's just he really just shrugs it off because he's like, "I." this is not my 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 bridge to cross right now like uh, and I, I appreciated that in Mackenzie's performance because um, that's something that we talked about in the creation of the character it was like he's not he's not going into those situations to try and change people's minds about the perceptions that they might have about him as a sex worker or him as him as an indigenous person he's going he's he's there for himself um, and and I wanted that to sort of translate so
1: yeah yeah and like you said that even though he's silent you can tell by his expressions that like just because he's silent doesn't mean that he's agreeing with what this person's saying
2: yeah yeah definitely uh and I don't know like if I've i I've, I've written a lot of like terrible poetry about the sh- things that clients have said to me but uh yeah it's just it's it's an interesting thing like I didn't I also didn't want it like it's not his it's not this young brown boy's job to go and like enlighten this white man like who is very clearly set in his ways Um, but it's just balance you know like they're not he's not holding it those those aren't the people that Mackenzie's character wants to hold accountable you know Mm. he's not going to call in his his john you know he's not going to like stop the conversation and be like let's unpack that you know <laughs> like that's just not his, who he is he's
1: yeah
2: he's very much there to come and to get paid <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah uh definitely speaking of poetry you can go on to talk about hustling verse now if you want or if there's anything else that you want to say about the film um
2: yeah so actually it's good that we're going to segue into poetry because i mentioned earlier in our conversation that i in terms of um, honing in, like my voice as an artist and how I wanted to say things, what I how, what I wanted to say, poetry really helped me find that. Um, I didn't know that I had been writing poetry for so long. Um, I had just been doing it, uh, and I had I made a film, my the film that I had mentioned that I had depth with the before positions. Um, that I had given two actors pieces of poetry that I had written. And then we sort of crafted this sort of weird, like dreamlike world where this couple were they had conflicts, but they were they were sort of reading these this, these poems sort of over these visuals. Um and like that really helped me fuel my practice as a filmmaker. And it helped me get back into screenwriting and it helped me fall in love with screenwriting again. Because I didn't realize that, you know, those two mediums can fuel each other. Uh, And, and until I made that film called him, her with my friends, Taryn and Georgia, I, that's when I realized like, Oh, I've been, I've been separating these two for so long and not really, I was, I wasn't really thinking seriously about my ability as a poet. Um, But when the two of them met and they collided, it changed things for me. Uh, and yeah, so and now I and now I'm doing hustling first, which is like a, a, a dream project. <laughs> um, but yeah,
1: yeah, uh, I love that those two things could come together. Um, yeah, because I don't think about those intersections very often. So uh, yeah, that's really lovely to see how that can work together. And I also like that you said that you were writing poetry before you knew what poetry was. Like that's such a
2: I still I still have a hard time like identifying as a poet. I always feel like I'm like a filmmaker pretending like I'm a poet, but I think the more that I write and the more I get invited to those circles and the more people start to take me seriously, then the the more the imposter syndrome sort of falls away and I'm not not worried about it anymore. But yeah, like I I've never had any sort of cr- formal creative writing training or anything, so it was really hard for me to, to see myself um, being welcomed into those conversations and the, and these types of projects. Um, and if it had not been for my like friendship and, and working relationship with Amber Don, like I'm not sure if I would have ever thought uh, seen that because I still think that I'm doing work to, to unlearn those things that like, you know, I I have to stay in one lane, or 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 just because I'm not because I don't have a degree in this doesn't mean I can I can share, you know. So
1: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and it's interesting how it's like that outside recognition helps us to like boost our own. Like even though we're doing what we always we were always doing it, just the fact that someone says, "Hey, you did a good job," it like
2: actually like I had I think I had shown a few, one or two things that I had written to Amber Dawn, and at the time she was editing a chapbook out of Pace Society, which is titled, um, Sex Worker Wisdom. If you want to buy it, you can go to Pace Society's website. I believe it's on sale on their website. Um, but I had shown her some things that I had written, uh, about my time and, um, my experiences hustling and She was like, "Yeah, you—you're a poet. Like, uh, just hate to break it to you, but (laughs) you actually are a poet, Uh, and that was big for me. So, it's nice to have that validation from someone who is so accomplished uh, and who also can just like see the potential. Um, Yeah, so that was amazing.
1: Yeah, definitely. And can you talk about how you met Amber Dawn and kind of how that uh, collaboration came together for Hustling Verse?"
2: Yeah, so I met Amber Dawn through uh, work that I was doing with the Queer Film Festival here in Vancouver, um, and I think that hustling verse had always been um, a big dream of Amber Dawn. Like, a, 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 like it was, a, it was always a passion project. I think that she had been thinking about for a while. Um, she had done a lot of community work with sex workers around around creative writing, uh, so she had. Uh, like prime evidence, essentially, that, that this book could be, could happen. Um, And we had talked about it a bit before, um, just sort of like, in a little bit of whispers and like, maybe what if. And then after I had came out as a sex worker publicly, and I was doing all this stuff with positions, we sort of, Picked up the conversation again, and we were like, "Should we do this?" Um, and and then, yeah, it sort of just came from there. And since then, it's just been like the outpour of of um, submissions that we got was was beyond our our expectation. Um, and it just goes to show that like that that initial belief that started this, the catalyst for this, it was really a belief from everdon, Don that you know, sex workers are. Poetic geniuses. We have to be. We in a, in in the work that we do, uh, and that just it, it was it was solidified. I guess from there, you know, like that this was that this was possible, and that this was going to be sort of the first in its kind. I mean, sex work has been the the theme of sex work in writing, and even in film has been so co opted, um, and so giving the giving the voice back to the community was always a huge is always going to be the biggest and most important thing for us. Uh, like, yeah, it, it, it was always, it was always there.
1: Yeah. Um, I love what you said about making, like giving the space to the community that's already there.
2: Like we are really, really, really proud of the people that are featured in this book who are telling their truth, who are given, who are given the platform to tell their truth, uh, I mean, that's, that's where this came from. That's what this is all about, right? And and giving the voice back to the community was was of utmost um, importance. And that's what the book is. Like, it wouldn't exist without it, you know? I can't wait for people to just have it physically and see it. because So I think it defies tradition in terms of the, the approach to poetry and writing and execution as well. Um, and I love that because I love throwing rule books out the window. I'm kind of an anarchist in that sense in terms <laughs> of like how I approach art making. Like I just I hate following the rules. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah. I am so curious about the kinds of submissions that you've received. Was it like specifically only to Vancouver or was it Canada wide?
2: It was all over the world. Literally, we, ha- I mean, like, we, the main push for our call for submissions is via social media. So, so that, like, the reach that we got through social media was insane. Like, the, the artist who did our cover art, um, you can follow on Instagram, Exotic Cancer, I believe they're based in Australia. And we have submissions from all over the U.S., uh, from the U.K. Um So, yeah, we weren't sort of keeping it to just one geographical location. We really, really, really wanted to encompass everyone and the whole world and and all different forms and aspects of sex work, you know. Um, That was really important to us.
1: Wow, that's so cool that it was worldwide. And also, like, yeah, it speaks to the fact that, like, these communities, like, aren't being represented In where they are, like the fact that you had submissions in the UK, it's like, oh, you'd think people in the UK would have their own place to express themselves there, but
2: yeah, I mean, this is as far as we know. I mean, I think there's a there's a book of essays by um, sex workers, but I like in terms of like poetry, like this is really the first of its kind, Um, and I hope that um, I hope that this only continues to happen more, you know, like because there's a lot of really, really, really brilliant. Textbookers out there who are writing really, really fucking amazing work. So I hope that more people, more people are are, uh, inclined to do it.
1: Yeah, hopefully, hustling versus like two, three, four, like keep on. doing.
2: yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I really love the title as well. Like hustling verse. Like where did that come from?
2: I mean, that we had originally had another title that we were going to go with, and then it was, uh, and then I can't remember why we steered away from it, but it just didn't work out. Uh, and we had really wanted to include hustle or, like, like a verb, you know, uh, within it. And I think it just literally came from, like, shooting around. I think that we enabled some things, things to one another. And then I think Ember Dawn maybe had suggested it. Um, and, yeah, once we had said it a few times out loud, it stuck. And, yeah, we took it. We ran with it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I really just love it, like, how... It's the idea of like yeah, hustling whatever you're hustling, you're still hustling like your verses, you're hustling like your words, and yeah, I think it just speaks really well to like yeah, the community that you're representing
2: thank you yeah i'm really I'm really proud of of what of 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 everyone that's in that's represented in that book. I cannot wait for people to read it it is it's it's brilliant,
1: yeah, wonderful so when and how can people uh read it?
2: So it comes out on September. I believe it it comes out and it's available for pre-order right now on Amazon. but yeah, September mid-September, I believe
1: awesome. yeah. And it's been great, even going on the hustling versus Instagram, like seeing the really big authors that are um like giving quotes to it. like that's so great to see. like I saw um Kai Cheng Tom like recently. um,
2: yeah, Kai gave us a, a, a blurb. So having that support was like, yeah, it means so much that people are willing to lift up the work. Um, it's awesome.
1: Yeah, great. Um, yeah, did you have anything else you wanted to add, or uh, you should any plugs that you wanted to make?
2: Yeah, you can. Uh, if anyone's interested in keeping up with Hustling Verse, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Hustling Verse, uh, and we'll we'll be updating stuff on there as as things start to roll out and um, as we approach the. The release date. Um, and yeah. Uh, come see us. We're gonna we're hopefully gonna tour with the book when it's done. So maybe we'll be reading in a city near you.
1: Awesome. Well that's really great. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today.
2: Yeah, thank you. This is really great.
0: You're listening to Adam and Eve on CGSR eighty eight point five FM and around the world on CGSR.com. We just listened to a conversation with Métis filmmaker Justin Ducharme and Eve producer Roseva Forge Jenkins. We've come to the end of this week's episode. We produced this show in the studios of CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, on Treaty 6 territory. We are grateful to be in Amiskwichiwiskayagon, the traditional territory of the diverse Indigenous peoples of this land, including the Cree, Blackfoot, Métis, Nakoda Sioux, Iroquois, Dene, Ojibwe, Sotu, Anishinaabe, Inuit, and the many others whose histories, languages, and cultures continue to influence our vibrant community. It is always such a privilege to speak those words, taking a moment to acknowledge our shared history, reflecting on our families and how we've come to be the community we are today and how we might all move forward together. Adam and Eve is a spoken word project of CJSR 88.5 FM and our journalism is funded by you, the listener. For more information on our program and to send us any feedback, please contact us on our Facebook page under Adam and Eve, or tweet us at AdamandEve, all one word. And hey, we're always looking for volunteers to help us out, um, especially for social media. We give the shout out often, but we're still looking, so if you're passionate about social media, feminism, and hanging out with really cool people, which are the kind of people you'll find here at CJSR, please contact us. Stay tuned for our next show in two weeks' time, and thanks so much for tuning in. I've been your host, Lisa Pruden.